Welcome to the Venture Church Podcast. This sermon was taken from the life of the church. For more messages like this, please see our website, www.venturechurch.co.za. We hope you enjoy this message. So we've finally come to the final week of this series. And as they say, all good things must come to an end. But like Ant just prayed... This is not, okay, what's the next thing? Let's leave that behind, move on to what's new. The point of of this identity series was really to shore up in our hearts, minds, and lives where our identity is rooted and what it means to have it rooted in Christ. So if you've been enjoying the Connect Group material, if you've been doing the the daily devotionals, well done, particularly if you've been able to keep up, even more well done. And I'm, I'm guessing that you probably can remember and recite the five weeks we've already had of this identity series, but maybe we can remember them together. So the first one was the identity gap. And in a sense, if I can have that slide, thank you, in a sense, This really sums up the whole series because it's not that it's about circles. God sees in us what He believes about us and what we see of ourselves and what we believe about ourselves, they have some overlap, which is good, but they're not completely overlap. There's part of who we are that is not in agreement and the, 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 the idea of this series is that the blue circle gets moved fully into the yellow circle. So what we believe about ourselves lines up with what God believes about us. It's about transformation. It's not instant, automatic, you've become a Christian, everything's perfect, no problems, all your idiosyncrasies and everything else that has not necessarily helped you very well up to that point in life, that's all sort of that. There is a process of transformation. The Bible uses the big word sanctification for that. But it's this process of of drawing the blue circle into the yellow circle, of having our minds renewed so that what we believe about ourselves is what God believes about us. I hope that you've seen a shift in your own thinking about yourself, even over these last five weeks, because that's the fruit of what Jesus has wanted to do. That is embracing your true identity in Christ. So after looking at the identity gap, this is the problem. This is what we're addressing. This is what we're looking at. We looked at, I am a son of the Most High God. He is my Father. This is the most fundamental truth in our identity. We are, as I'm going to say just now, new creations. We have been born again into a new family. We have a new identity. And it's rooted in the fact that we are God's children. Then we looked at, I am a servant. He is my master. I was worried when I read it like, like that, when we were first looking through the material. Oh, so he saves me to be a child, and then he puts me to work. Is that some kind of child labor? 
No, it's the fact that God saves us with purpose. Not to make, and the purpose is not just to make us feel good, but it's that He created us and He knows what is best for us, and that best is not inactivity. Then we saw, I am a saint, Christ is my Savior. There is a process of our character being reformed and molded into the image of Jesus, but that our status is as saints, those who have been set apart for Him, to Him. He has saved me. Then, last week we looked at, I am a citizen. He is my king. My identity extends beyond some little internal thing to where I belong. My citizenship, as we saw, is in heaven. What does that mean? That I need to have my head in the sky. Well, there was a time when people used to preach that, but that's not what the Scripture says about being a saint. It's not what the Scripture says about being a citizen of heaven. Heaven is the place that God in completely encompasses. It's God's space, if you want to put it that way. So heaven is not about a place somewhere out there. You know, you've got to get through the universe and then you get to heaven. Heaven is God's space, and it's right here. It's a greater reality than the reality we, that we perceive with our five senses all around us. I am a citizen of the kingdom of God. And finally today, I want us to see I am an ambassador. Christ commissions me. But what, what does it mean to be Christ's ambassador? So let's dive into today's text, which is in 2 Corinthians 5. I'm just going to read a couple of verses, 17 to 19. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Skipping on to 19. We're therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making His appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. In, in many ways, this passage sums, sums up, summarizes everything that we've been looking at in our entire, in this series. Brings it all together. So I'd like you to note three phrases from this. First in verse 17, he says, you are a new creation. Then in verse 18, he uses the word, this has happened through reconciliation. And then the consequence of this in verse 19, you are Christ's ambassador. So what is the new creation? What does that mean? He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Some of us, when we, when we hear this kind of language, we think of, oh, that's for the, for the future sometime. That's for the, you know, once I've 
been perfected, I've been sanctified, then I will be a new creation. The Scripture tells us no. If you're in Christ, you are already a new creation. This is what God has done to me. He's given me a new identity. And it's a new creation, a new identity, because there was an old identity, an old creation. And just as John T. led us in the, in the communion saying that the, the, the lady who was about to get engaged had to reach out and take the cup. We have to reach out and take this new creation and choose to make it our defining identity. It's a new creation that has been done in us but if we don't allow it to define us, then it has no practical effect on us despite having been done by Christ. I hope you've been reading in the manuals the identity creed as it's put in there. Creed, I, I said before, is just a, a statement of I believe. The Latin word credo means I believe. And these are statements taken straight out of Scripture. And the, the advantage of reading them over and over is not that they become some kind of mantra to you, but that you start ingesting them. They start becoming part. This is who I am. This is what the definition of this new creation looks like. And Lord, I'm repeating it so that I can confess that I believe this about me. I am your child. I am a son. I am a daughter. So if you haven't, I encourage you to do it. But like I said, not like a, not like a mantra. Not like a, a, a talisman. Something external that wards, wards off evil. But as truth to be internalized and to allow us to allow it to define how we see ourselves. It takes a while for our hearts to, to comprehend these facts about who we are. We have been chosen by Him before the world began. That's already a pretty mind-blowing truth. We have been chosen by Him before the world began. We have been loved by Him more than we can ever know. We've been made in the image of God. We are known perfectly by our Father, and He cares for us, and He delights in us, knowing all of those imperfections that you are terrified that somebody finds out about one day. He knows them already, and He still delights in you. That you are precious, called and empowered. And so the list just goes on and on. You are a new creation. But he goes on in verse 18 of 2 Corinthians 5 and says, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. Reconciliation is what he has done between me and him. He gave me this incredible relationship with Him. 
Christianity is not a religion. It is an incredible relationship between man and God that God has initiated. If your experience of faith is only what I've just described as religion, about the trappings, the doings, the dontings, then you've missed the key thing. It's a relationship. If God is love, then it's not about a to-do list. It's not about keeping some uh, abstract external standard. That is a consequence of this incredible relationship. And coming into this relationship, the Bible uses this word reconcile for how we get to be in this relationship with God. It is a result of my new identity, this new creation that He has worked in me. Now I have a new primary relationship. I have been reconciled to God. The old me was separate from God because of sin and its consequences and ongoing disobedience and unbelief. But he chose to reach out to initiate. Biblical reconciliation is about being brought near from far off. It's not because of some inherent worth in us. It's because God chose to take the initiative and say, well, Francis, he's never going to find me unless I make the first step. And so my response when I see that is extreme gratitude that he makes everything possible to reconcile me, to draw me close to himself. He's the source of it all. All this is from God, we read in that passage. You might think that you made the decision to follow Jesus and that he's pretty lucky to have you. But the truth is that you only made this decision because he took the initiative, decided to rescue you, and told you about what he had done for you personally. It was all his initiative. And so, he gives, he, it brings us to this verse uh, 19, or 18, the end of 18 and to 19. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That which he's done for us, he commissions us to do for others. Somebody told you about Jesus. He commissions us to be that for somebody else. So what is an ambassador? He wants me to be an ambassador. Wonderful. Okay. What does that mean? Uh, okay. He wants me to represent him and what he is doing in the world. That's why we talk about it's more important what we get saved into than what we got saved out of. I think that's also a matter of trajectory. Are we looking forward or are we looking back? Jesus is always trying to take us forward. So being an ambassador, embracing this commissioning, this calling that he's given to us, 
is all about replicating what he's already done for us. And by the way, don't be frightened of this word ministry. Some people, when they hear, hear the word ministry, which just means service, they think of, I don't know, paid professionals, somebody who has a degree. And some people even call church leaders the minister. That's not what this verse says. It says that he has reconciled us to himself so that, so that we might all be ministers. It is a ministry of reconciliation that he gives us, this commission, this thing of being an ambassador. I like to, when, when people uh, say to me, Pastor Francis, they're meeting me for the first time, they hear that I have the privilege of leading this wonderful church, oh, Pastor, so good. And depending on, on, on what the situation is, if I, if I really feel the Lord saying, you know, you need to tell him who you are, I'll say, my name is Francis, that's who I am. Pastoring is what I do. It would be awkward if in the morning I woke up and I look at my beautiful wife. Yes, she's even beautiful in the morning. And she turns to me and says, Hello, husband Francis. Francis is who I am. Husbanding you is what I do. So, I mean, it doesn't help that um, we do add many professional epithets to our names. People who've studied hard to become PhDs and doctors, we tend to call them Dr. So-and-so forever. But our name defines who we are. It represents who we are. These titles represent what we do. So from now on, you can call yourself Ambassador whoever. Fill in the blank. There's been lots of filling in blanks in the manual. This is my fill in the blank. My name is Ambassador Hendrick. This is who Christ has commissioned and called me to be. So the last part of the verse describes what this ministry of reconciliation, how it's worked out. We're therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. Let's just pause there for a second. This ministry, this thing that he's calling us to do, is what he's already doing. He's asking us to partner with him. It is his appeal that he is making through us. We employ, and this is the appeal, by the way. He tells us what it is. It doesn't leave it in, uh, in limbo. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He's done all this for you. This is what it is. Now be reconciled to him. Make that choice. Take that cup. So we're the physical expression, the ambassadors of the invisible, invisible God. The whole point of a, uh, an ambassador is someone who represents a country in a foreign country. So there are ambassadors, South African ambassadors, all over the world. 
if they're in South Africa, they're not ambassadors. They're only ambassadors when they're out representing South Africa somewhere else. They're hand-picked because they have a really important job to do. They represent the, the country, the nation of which they are ambassadors. They, they stand, they, are, they, they take South Africa away, here's the ambassador. They represent the country that sent them. When there's bad stuff that goes down, the government might descend, decide to send aid or troops or whatever. It will always be done through the ambassador. The ambassador also is not free to make his own policies, to implement his own ideas. He is a representative of the country that sent him. And when Paul says that we're Christ's ambassadors, he means we are representatives of the king of kings in order to proclaim his message here on earth, the foreign country. So how does he do that? We're going to have a quick look at Matthew 10. Because in Matthew 10, Jesus sends out the, the uh, 12 disciples, the 12 apostles, because he sends them out. And he sends them out as ambassadors. But before they go on this, this uh, shorter-term trip, he gives them some instructions, which is basically chapter 10, about what they're to do and how they're to do it. So he doesn't say, muddle, muddle it through, find your own way. He tells them how, how they should be ambassadors. And just as a summary because I don't want to read the whole chapter. I just want to pull out a few verses. But as a summary of this, he gives them these instructions. As an ambassador, I'm on the king's mission, proclaiming the king's message with the king's help. As an ambassador, I am on the king's mission, proclaiming the king's message with the king's help. So let's unpack it a little bit. I'm on the king's mission, Jesus says to his disciples in Matthew 10, 16. I am sending you out. This is a commission from him. Some of us here have been believers for many years. And we've believed that God has commissioned us to some stuff. To do things for him, to be things for him, to fulfill certain roles in his church. Some of us have experienced that. Some of us haven't. If God commissions, there is no person, no situation, no circumstance, no devil that can stand in the way of his commission. The issue is only about obedience and timing. Obedience from our side, being sensitive to his timing. Nobody can rob you of the call of God. So it is the king of kings who sends us out. Not just the king, but the king of all kings who sends us out, who commissions us, who has made us into, into ambassadors. And I think that's pretty exciting. <laughs> I think that's a pretty exciting thing. Some people are embarrassed about their faith. 
But when I, when I realize truths like this, I am overwhelmingly excited. So he sends us out to our neighbors, our colleagues, our work friends, family, as well as other nations of the world. So it's not just here or there. It's here, there, and everywhere. Everywhere that we are, we represent the king, and we are on his mission. When, when you think of this word mission, we get the English word missionary. And I don't know what you think of, what picture comes into your mind when you think about missionaries. Definitely people in a different country of the world telling people about Jesus. This verse tells us that we are all missionaries. We are all sent ones. And just to uh, join that idea, the idea of missionary and the idea of apostle, they just come from different language roots. Missionary from the Latin miseri, to send, and apostle from the Greek word apostolos, meaning sent, a sent one. We are all sent by Jesus as ambassadors. And in that sense, we are all missionaries, and we have an apostolic call on our lives. A mission for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So Jesus says to his followers that he is a mission, and his mission is to seek and save the lost, Luke 19.10. And being an ambassador on the king's business means looking out for people, spending time with them, loving those who might not receive a lot of love, and allowing Christ to work through us to them. In time, people transform. You know, if you're consistently nice to somebody who's not particularly pleasant, it affects them. At the very least, if they choose not to change, they don't want to see you. But the likelihood is they actually become nicer people themselves. And the time comes in that process of transformation when there is an opportunity to speak for Jesus. So that's the second thing. Being on the king's mission and proclaiming the king's message, secondly. When Jesus sent out his disciples, he tells them to proclaim his message, Matthew 10, 7. As you go, proclaim this message, the kingdom of heaven has come near. It's not our own idea. I was challenged with this while we were up in Zambia. My, my gifting, my spiritual gifting, my preaching gifting, is not doesn't naturally tend towards evangelism. But we had a moment where that was the gift that was needed. And Bernard, who was uh, leading the thing, said, Francis, you need to share here. You need to share on this soccer pitch. And my initial reaction was, no, I'm a teacher. And his response was just absolutely brilliant. He said, I believe that if you're, whatever your gifting is, God has called you and enabled you to preach, to share the gospel. So I was challenged for a little bit, took it to Jesus and said, I've got something. And I, I really sensed the hand of God 
preaching to 20 kids on a soccer field about the love of Jesus and the transformation that he wants to make in their lives. So we proclaim the king's message, not our message. And whoever you are, it's not about how you package it, it's about what the message is. You may package it this way, you may use your own words. It's one of the beauties of the scripture. 66 books written by whatever, 40-something authors, all under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But you can still see the human bit in there. They use different language, and you can see these things. And that's, that is by God's design. He knows you, and He wants to use you to proclaim His message. Matthew 10, verse 27. Back to our Matthew 10. Well, Matthew... Yes, Matthew 10, verse 27. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Some Christ followers say, I'll just let my actions speak. I don't want to talk about Jesus to anyone. That doesn't line up with what Jesus is saying here. But it doesn't say that when you share about Jesus, you have to sound like, Reinhard Bonke, bless him, or Billy Graham, or someone else. It says you have to sound like you. People are astonishing reality detectors. They may not be able to pick up when we're putting on a, on a, a mask exactly what it is, but they will know there's something false here. But when you share the reality of who Jesus is to you, that truth also, there is a, there's a bing, bing, a green light flashing somewhere in, in people's lie detectors. They know that this is a reality for you. They might not like it. They might not like the consequences of that. They might not like the implications of what it means but they know it's true. If you don't speak, they will never hear that truth. So we can't be silent ambassadors. One of the key things about being an ambassador is relaying what, the, in our context, the king says. In the context of a South African uh, ambassador, relaying what the government has decided and said in the context where we find ourselves, where the ambassador finds themselves to be. I'm not saying that we should follow a formula and bombard our friends and family with verses, WhatsApp messages, uh, turn or burn type uh, confrontations, but that our relationship with Christ should shine out from us in different ways, and that will always, at some stage, mean words. So ambassadors are on the king's mission. They're proclaiming the king's message, but they do it with the king's help. As an ambassador, I'm on the king's mission, proclaiming his message with his help. Listen to what Jesus says in, in the middle of that uh, Matthew 10. 
verse 19. At that time, you will be given what to say. For it will not be you speaking. It won't be your message. But the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. So if you are afraid of what to say when the time comes, trust Him. Because the only preparation you can do is drawing close to Him, is knowing what He has to say. If you love to speak, and there are some of us who love to speak, don't get too carried away with preparing what you're going to say. Just live your life. Because when you get there, whatever you prepared, the Lord is likely to say something different through you, or word it slightly differently, such that your preparation comes to nothing. The point, though, is that the king helps us. When you're an, a South African ambassador somewhere, it's not just that they've sent you out there and you're now on your own and you've got to relay this message, but actually you've got to fend for yourself. The whole weight of the country is behind you. All their resources and the ramifications of everything that they've decided, their policies, and, and is behind you. So you may be there on the firing line on, on, in the front row, but everything that you represent as an ambassador is also behind you. So this verse addresses that when it says, don't worry, you'll be given what to say. So often we use our fear as an excuse. We're worried that we're too shy. We're worried that we will be misunderstood. We're worried that people will dislike us because of what we share. That they'll call us ugly names. That they'll spit on us. We're worried about this. We're worried what pe that we will make people feel awkward even. And we're worried that we don't have the right words to say. But that's where these, this amazing promise of Jesus comes out. Don't worry, you will be given what to say. So as I, as I bring this thing in to, to land, just want to remind us of where the Lord has brought us. Because each of these weeks have built, built on top of one another. It's the most fundamental thing to know that we're a child of God. If we don't know that first, when we hear his commission, we will think about a job, and we will treat it like a job. If we know he loves us, then we are representing the one who loves us. So th this verse, in this case, back to 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 19, this, this really defines our new identity. And what we've been talking about over the week is the accrual of what it means to follow Jesus. Following Jesus is not a state, I'm following Jesus. There's nothing following about standing in the same spot. Following is a dynamic thing. It means going where the person you're following is going. So it's possible that you've listened to all these things and you've just thought, wow, I am so special and so precious in God's sight. And the truth is, you are. And He really does love you that much. But your response to that is, sure, I can just sit back 
and enjoy how amazing he is and how amazingly he loves me. But that's not the picture that we've just read about. That's not the picture that I've been talking about this morning. There is a commissioning as part of what this new identity means to us. So I want us to respond to this challenge. I'm going to call it a challenge, but it is a call to all of us who believe in Jesus that he wants to send you out as an ambassador. He He wants to reiterate his commission over you. So I'm going to ask you to stand. And I want to paint a mental picture. So if, if it helps, close your eyes and imagine Jesus standing in front of you, looking you in the eyes. He reminds you first of just how much he loves you. And then he reminds you about how much he sacrificed that you could be free and have this new identity. But then he says, I've picked you as one of my ambassadors. You are going on my mission for the rest of your life. I want you to look out for others. I want you to care for the eternal destiny of the people that you meet. I want you to proclaim my message through words and through your actions as best you can. Don't be worried. Don't be anxious. Don't be afraid. I am with you. You'll be given what to say because I am with you, because I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Now go for it. So I'm going to lead us in prayer and then I have a sense that God is wanting to reconfirm some specific callings that he has put on people's lives. Faithful Father, this has been an amazing time in your word, seeing who we are, what what that label means, Christians, little Christs, ones who are like their big brother. We thank you for our identity, and we thank you that it is a new creation worked in us by you at your initiative. And you have just given us so much. And specifically today, I thank you for this calling to be an ambassador. If you're here today and you've never surrendered your life fully to Jesus, or maybe you have and you recognize that you've drifted away and you have not embraced this calling as an ambassador to live for Jesus, I want to take a moment and just give you the opportunity to sort that out between you and God. If that's you and you're, you're sensing him just taking your hand and wanting to draw you back to himself, don't fight. If it is you, I'd love to pray with you. If you want to just indicate to me, pop up your hand, that'd be really helpful. Lord, I thank you for your, your words spoken over me. Your words of life, your words of love, your words of focus, 
your words of purpose. I embrace your purpose for me. Lord, I confess I don't understand it. Or I don't understand all of it. But I want to walk. I want to follow you. I embrace what it is that you have called me to. I want to be your ambassador. I embrace it as my identity. And I thank you that you give my life not just meaning but purpose. And it's your purpose, your eternal purpose in history. Thank you, Lord. I really felt as I was preparing the Lord saying, there's a number of people who that you've, at some stage in your life, you have had a sense of God is calling you to something specific, whether it is ministry or something that where you just had that clear sense of hearing the Lord's voice. And Either you have been distracted from it or you never picked it up and ran with it. But as I was talking this morning, God was reminding you of that thing. Maybe it was a call to full-time ministry. Maybe it was a call to, to serve Him as a leader in some context. Whatever it was. And, and the church is only one small part of what God commissions us to do and to be. But I want, to, I want to pray for you, if that's, if that's you. So I'm going to pray a general, general prayer. I'm going to then close the meeting. And if you want more prayer, please come, come forward, chat to me. I'd like to pray for you. But Lord, as we stand here right now for commissions, specific commissions that have become either dormant or they have fallen to the ground and have not produced any fruit. Lord, you are in the resurrection business. And so I pray that you would resurrect those commissions in us. Lord, for those who you're specifically talking to right now, I pray that you would confirm your word, that you would, yeah, Lord, you, you do it the way you're doing, but that you would remind them. I pray, faithful Father, that they would take your, your, your commission, your calling, again, with both hands, that they would seek you for what is the next step they need to take, or knowing it, to just take it, take it again. Because, Lord, your gifts, your promises are irrevocable. They are without repentance. So I pray life back into those commissions. And Lord, for those who are hearing and receiving your word now, I pray life into them to fulfill that. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. We would love to know how this message spoke to you. Please connect with us through our website www.venturechurch.co.za or through our various social channels.